Hey everybody, welcome to Quick Shifts, a hockey pod. My name is Jimmy. I'm joined here with my co-host, Shelly. Hey, how's it going? And welcome to our first episode. Uh, we're going to kick off uh, the episode with talking about the Stanley Cup a little bit. Um, I want you, why don't you get us uh, started, Shelly? All right, yeah. So we're going to be your one-stop shop for all things hockey, whether it be news, any free agency stories, or just going over hockey, because we just like to talk hockey, you know? So first, we just want to talk about the Stanley Cup final and just what happened with it. So the Avalanche defeated the Lightning in six games. They win 4-2. Avalanche only lost four games the whole playoffs. They went 16-4. and four with only two losses to the Blues and the two losses in this cup final. I mean, this was a great cup final. I know as as a Rangers fan, I know I'm going to try not to be biased, but as a Rangers fan, I was a little sick of Tampa, didn't want to see them necessarily play again. Um, But I just love hockey too much. So I knew I I was going to end up watching in my heart of hearts. And this was a great series, like I said. Two amazing teams blazing around the ice, very little stoppages, pretty good goaltending, except for a few games where the score was run up a lot. Um, Two overtime games. I feel like this series had everything you would want for hockey fans and even non-hockey fans, because this was on ESPN. And that's something we could talk about too, is was the coverage good? How do we think ESPN did the first time around? But this was on ESPN, and they are trying to appeal to that new fan base. I mean, they led with it a lot on Sports Center after these games, so they are trying to push it, um, which, like, I guess makes me happy because it's bringing hockey into the mainstream. But it is, at the end of the day, a niche thing. And us hockey fans, we like what we like, and we don't necessarily like outside intrusion, you know? Because uh, I did feel like some of those camera angles, I know, Jimmy, it's we touched upon it. Those back-of-the-net camera angles, especially when that's your own team playing, really nerve-wracking stuff. I don't know why. It's just not the way to watch hockey. Yeah, I remember every time they would switch to that kind of over-the-net angle, you would just say, I got a bad feeling about this. And (laughs) I know. Moments later, they'd score a goal. I know, but... Yeah, like, I mean, ultimately, Ray Ferraro is okay. I give him a lot of flack, but look, he played the game of hockey. He was a pretty solid player um, for, for your Islanders and for the Rangers, I believe. But he he knows his stuff. I think the way that he delivers things sometimes is a little cheesy. And the same thing with Sean McDonough. I think he's okay. I mean... It's, I don't know how he relates to hockey in the slightest. I guess I have to do my research because he was a Monday night football guy. Um, but, like, I mean, I really thought he improved because at the end of the day, I ended up liking the broadcast. I was a little bit of a hater at first, but I ended up liking it. I thought it was okay. Um, and then Emily Kaplan's pretty solid. I mean, there's there's no real complaints, I guess, from the ESPN team, but – um, I definitely like other broadcasts better. Like back in the day, NBCSN, of course, hockey fans oh. know Doc Emmerich, Eddie Olchek, and Pierre Maguire. We won't talk about him too much, but those two. 
<laughs> that was the duo. And I was definitely missing that throughout these playoffs because uh, Doc's one of the greatest announcers of all time. But no, at the end of the day, I felt like ESPN did okay. The, the one thing I am going to say about um, – or the one, the one criticism of ESPN, there were a lot of times where uh, Emily Kaplan would be interviewing uh, the head coach or a player on the bench. Oh, yes. And they would have – the game would take up about – 40% of the screen and the interview was the other 60%. <laughs> yes. That's a great point. It's a great, it point. doesn't, doesn't make sense when we're, especially if they're in the middle of a, uh, like an offensive zone where your team is, you know, could be scoring a goal or something major happens, but you have, you have to watch it on this tiny little screen. Exactly. Especially if it's the opposing coach, it's like, I don't want to hear this guy right now. Like, look, even if it's your own coach, I don't want to hear this guy right now. I'm watching hockey. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll wait to the end. That's why, that's why they have what 30 minute press conferences after the game. Exactly. And also the 18 minute intermissions where you can interview people. I mean, there's during a lot of time, time where you could fill in interviews. Let's not put it during the game. So yes, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, but yeah, so now now that we got the ESPN and the coverage part out of the way, the series itself, once again, was an incredible series, I thought. First two games, you saw it again. Tampa went down 2 nothing, just like they did in the Rangers series, and then started to come back. Game three, they played a dominating game, albeit Kemper was pretty poor, let in, I think, five goals on 20 or 21 shots. Um, the backup came in for the Avs, just not a good game from them. And then gutsy overtime win in game four for Colorado. A uh, lot of controversy in that game. I don't know, Jimmy, any thoughts on the controversy ESPN was trying to stir up? I mean, if you, if you look at it, Colorado did have six skaters with skates on the ice. Yes. At the same exact moment, Tampa had seven. Everybody online was saying, well, you, you don't know what a line change is then. But like, <laughs> I, I, I think it was uh, I think it was McKinnon getting off the ice for the avalanche. He was at the bench just kind of looking at the play because I think the puck was in their zone when he was going to the bench. So there, he had no idea that a play was going to develop. Yeah. He, he didn't have any impact on um, Kadri ultimately going over the blue line, beating two Tampa defend defensemen, and getting it past Vasilevsky. Yeah, no, like, and that was just a great play by Kadri. He is in a very impressive player, great season, and had an even better playoffs. Honestly, he missed quite a few games. The game, due to, he came, yeah, that, uh, that yeah, uh, it was. He hadn't played in 18 days before that uh, game four win. Exactly, because he had the thumb surgery on the dirty hit in the Oilers series. But, yeah, that he, he's a gutsy player, man, and I love his post game. He said people can kiss it where the sun don't shine. So that was pretty funny <laughs> because he, he has had a lot of haters in these playoffs. I mean, look at that Blue series. A lot of gross things happened in that Blue series in terms of some racist attacks. Um, and people getting after him, including Jordan Bennington throwing a water bottle at him. Um, and this dude has has not had a shortage of haters and detractors in his career, especially when he was on Toronto. Um, since, look, I mean, he 
he doesn't mince words. He he does like to hit, and he gets into it. Um, he he did have a little bit of trouble with having a dirty reputation in Toronto, but I think he's moved past that a little bit. He's turned into a pretty good skill player. I mean, look at all the goals and assists and um, just really special plays he makes. He's starting to move past that a little bit um, and become a more well-rounded player than just being that, you know, like, like Brad Marchand is an amazing skill player and he benefits from the players around him too on that, the perfection line. But I think he still goes way too deep into the antics. And I don't know if he'll ever get past that. Um, Kadri, I think, is. So that's a guy who, a Colorado, made a great trade, trading Tyson Barry for him. Um, I know at the time I was like, wow, they traded Tyson Barry and Alexander Kerfoot for Kadri? But trade's looking good. I mean, look at Colorado. They're a wagon. Wagon. But game five, pretty close game. Kemper lets in a tough one. Um, I know, Jimmy, you commented it was a tough one. Yeah, that, that game was just not um, – wasn't the prettiest. And it, no. obviously it did not end out uh, the way that I would have liked to have seen it. And I know a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fans uh, were not happy with the outcome of game five, but – they did love the outcome of game six. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. That yeah. was, yeah. yeah, like, and look, to talk about game five a little bit first, Andre Palat is turning into a closer. That dude knows how to play in the playoffs. And he is everything you want to have from a secondary or tertiary scorer out there. Because he just scores the clutch goals. I mean, since since their run started, uh, he just always seems to put the puck in the back of the net when it matters the most. And he's done that many times throughout these playoffs. I mean, look at the Rangers series, scored many clutch goals as time was expiring in most of those games and in, in tie game situations, and then scores this goal in game five to even make this series a little bit more interesting, go back to Tampa. Um and yeah, it's game six, like you said, Tampa had to play a perfect game. They almost did. But Colorado comes out. Goals by McKinnon that snuck through on Veselovsky's blocker side, which turned into a big weakness for him. And Arturi Lekkinen, who is a trade deadline acquisition, scores another clutch goal. Avs win. N- not without some controversy, too. I know... Not trying to rag on the lightning at all, you know, because <laughs> look, look, they're not my favorite. Let's let's not mince words here. I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, but just to keep it objective, seems like after every goal, there was a little bit of complaining by John Cooper and the team. I have to think that that's because of the tone John Cooper sets. I don't like he it's that press conference after game four, I thought was pretty embarrassing. Um that was kind of his concession speech. I feel like the series was like, yes, they won game five, but I felt like the series was over after that. Like, I'm not sure what you thought, Jimmy, but. Yeah, I agree. He, I mean, yeah, the team, obviously you feel defeated after losing an overtime and you look at the tape and you go, well, great. Now the refs are against us too, but it like, I mean, you, you don't come out 
at a press conference after the game and kind of say, well, I have nothing to say. I can't, I can't think right now. Look at the, I forget his exact quote, but it was like something along the lines of look at the goal and you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I just felt like it was really bad whining and look, I know it's the heat of the moment. Nobody's perfect. Um, that's a huge loss. You go down 3-1, especially on home ice going back to Colorado. You kind of feel like it's over. Um, but, yeah, it's I just didn't like that at all from him. Um, you just got to keep your emotions in check and sort of keep a strong face for the players, have some belief in the room. Because, look, it's 3-1 has happened many times. It happened in these playoffs. The Rangers came back from down 3-1 against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, it's you got to keep the belief in the room high. And I can only imagine that that look fantastic coach has won two Stanley cups in a row, took them to the finals this year. They were an absolute dynasty. Um, and if they win again next year, I mean, it's, you could still consider it a dynasty. That's a lot of success, especially in a league like this, where usually a lot of parody. Um, but I have to imagine that that bled out into the team and into the locker room just because of the way everybody was acting yesterday. They were acting pretty spoiled on both of the Avs goals and then Kucherov at the end of the game. This wasn't talked about at all. I don't know if you saw it, Jimmy. But with 20-plus seconds left, they waved off an icing right in front of Hedman because he was lollygagging. And... Kucherov goes to the bench. He's not even off the ice yet, mind you. And he's just throwing his gloves and throwing a fit and like, like and slamming things. Like, there's 20 seconds left in the game. Go try to start something. Like, the game's not over. Like, it's don't do that where everybody can see it and comment on it. Go do it in the locker room. If you want to go smash your stick or break your stick or express some emotion – just go do it behind closed doors in the locker room. Don't do it where everybody could see, especially during the game. The game's not over. Like it's that I thought was weird. Right. And just before that uh, waved off icing, there was another almost identical uh, play that was icing that just barely crept over. um, Yes. The line. And I was a little livid that that was icing, but, I don't. I none of the abs made a scene. Nope. No, look, it's like just... it's this. This was the abs year. They went sixteen and four. They actually tied. This is a little nugget they had on the ESPN broadcast. They tied the record for the most wins by a team in NHL history, including the playoffs, with with seventy two. I believe was the amount. Um, that's just crazy. Like. Could we consider them one of the best teams of all time already, Jimmy? I don't know. I think it's a little early if they don't lose anything off in the offseason uh, and they come back and they're as dominant, if not more dominant next year, since everybody's just a little bit older. Um, I could see them joining the ranks of uh, the best team. Yeah, like I mean, they are just fantastically constructed like i mean you look at the gm joe sockage he just makes moves he's as every bit as good as steve eiserman and everybody talks about how good steve eiserman is in detroit 
And yes, he's building a pretty solid core of young players there. They just have to find a goalie, honestly, because I don't know if Ned is, is the option there. But they, in Colorado, they just build a great team every year. And I know they had that reputation where they never made it out of the second round. They lost, I think it was three consecutive years in the second round, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They could never make it out. It's This year they win. They just have crazy talent. We've talked about this a lot about the defensemen in the league, right? So it's I think there's a clear top four, and then you could talk about the fifth as being a conversation. You could say it's Jacob Slavin. You could say uh, it, it's, I don't know, you could even put Drew Doughty in there if you still want. You could say Quinn Hughes. You could give me uh, a, a Charlie McAvoy. Adam Pellick, it's not a bad one. I mean, uh, he's a good player. But you could throw in a lot for for fifth or on. But I think the top four is pretty chalk for me. And I still have to, like, decide on my order. And I guess we could discuss this now or in a future episode about, like, uh, sort of our player rankings. I think that would be quite interesting. But I think it's Makar, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, and Adam Fox. Fox, I think, is four, honestly. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to debate between those three. Who were the Norris finalists? Were those three? So, yeah. um, but Kale McCarr is one of the best skaters I've ever seen in my life. He just moves on a different plan, like on a way different plane than everybody else. He... He zigs while everybody else zags. Like he's just, <laughs> he's just incredible. And to be this good, this young, I, I think if you ask me who you would want to start a franchise with, especially with just defensemen, like which defenseman would you start a franchise with? Obvious answer, Kale McCarr. Because I'm graced with having Adam Fox on the team that I root for. He's really good. Awesome power play quarterback, can move the puck, pretty good stopper. Uh, Yes, he's a little bit undersized, but he makes up for it with his stick play, um, just always being in good position. But Makar is, I mean, on a different level than even Adam Fox, who's the fourth best defenseman in the league, in my opinion. Um, He's just a special player. I don't know, Jimmy, your thoughts on Kale? Yeah, it's almost... uh ridiculous watching him play yes i forget um who it was last night uh during the all the post game uh interviews like well how would you go about winning uh the stanley cup now and this guy was just get yourself a kale mccarr (laughs) it's it's like he's a cheat code he is he, he's special. Like, he, he scored 28 goals in the regular season, I believe. That's just nuts. It's from a defenseman. Yeah, so um, if we're going to start talking about um, the trof- the trophies, uh, I mean, the your top four defensemen, Kalmacard, Hedman, Yossi, and Fox, were the top five uh, in – Norris votes. McCarr barely uh, won over Yossi. It was a total uh, 1,631 points to 1,606. 
I mean, it was almost dead even between Makar and Yossi. Yeah, see, like, and this is one where we disagree because I did think Roman Yossi was going to win. Um, I think he had 101 points during the regular season. Um, most points in his career by a long shot. I don't, that's got to be up there in terms of most points by a defenseman in a single season. Um, I'm sure, like, some guys like Leach or, or, you know, like Nick Lindstrom or whatever, it was probably right up there as well. But, um, he had a great season and that team it's, we were going to go through most of the playoff teams too. So we could wait for that, I guess, but the Preds are not very good. And he shined on that team. It's a Kale McCarr is one of a few elite players on that abs team with, with McKinnon pretty much being the McCarr clone, but just as a forward, you know, and then it's the rest of the team is also very fast and just solid especially defensively. I mean, they held Tampa to what? Three, four shots on goal in the third period in yeah, a that was Stanley a, Cup was a clinching ridiculous game. Stat. Ridiculous. Oh yeah. Nuts. But yeah, that's, that's what I would say is Yossi found a way to shine on a team that didn't have a great defensive structure. Um, so that's the only reason why I would give him the slight, slight edge. And you could see the voters were a little torn too because uh, Yossi ended up getting more first place votes, as you said. So, uh, but yeah, like it was pretty much an award between those two. And then they, you know, just so happened to be Makar. But definitely not, not uh, you know, saying Makar shouldn't have won. I'm just saying, I think in this case, I think Yossi maybe deserved it just like the slightest bit more. But I do think ultimately, ultimately that Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the NHL. Right, I could have seen that if he didn't win the Norris this year. Then I mean, he obviously would be a finalist for the next couple of years. But it is nice to have seen him win, um, especially after when winning the Norris uh, and the Conn Smythe in the same year. Exactly. Yeah, like it's um, that's a good segue because I was just going to touch upon the Conn Smythe being his. So the last, what, three years now, we've had uh, defense and goalies be the Smythe. So it was Makar this year. It was Vasilevsky last year. Or, yeah, yeah, it was Vasilevsky last year, I believe, and then Hedman in 2020. So um, last few have been defense and goalies. I mean, I don't know. Is this the way teams are going to structure themselves? I think this is a good segue out of the cup final. So Colorado wins again. Um, they're going to be a good team for a while because they have a pretty young core. I mean, Landis Cog and Kadri are into their 30s now, but other than that, it's a pretty young team. Um, and they have one of the best duos in the league, if not the best. You could say, obviously, McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, or you could even include Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. That's a pretty awesome big three. But they have a great team for years to come. Um, and then Tampa, look, it's just a quick like little uh, summary on them before we leave the cup final is they have nothing to worry about. It's they ran into uh, just a team of destiny who only lost four times. Like they, they were, they were hard pressed to win this series. I think they gave it as good of a run as they could have. I think ultimately they were just tired. Like, look, they played a lot of games. Colorado had a ton of rest. Let's not forget that. 
because they had two yeah. sweeps. And I know that Tampa had one sweep um, since they swept Florida, which is another embarrassing thing. We'll talk about Florida. But, um, yeah, like, it's. I just think ultimately Tampa was tired. They ran out of gas. Um, and, yeah, they were just outskilled. Because even in the games Tampa won, I thought, wow, Colorado is so much better. So, it's – look, they just have to go back uh, to the drawing board and just – sort of chalk this up to a little bit of bad luck. They ran into this absolute wagon. And, yeah, look, they're still a dynasty. They're still one of the best teams in the league. They'll run it back. They have Vasilevsky, who's a top two goalie in the league, one of the few elite goalies out there. So, yeah, like, it's they have nothing to worry about. But, yeah, it's to segment into the comment about goalies and defensemen being sort of the stars of the league right now, especially in terms of the good teams, Let's talk about uh, my New York Rangers, and especially Igor Shesterkin. And uh, um, he he's just a special, special talent. And uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on Igor? I mean, it's like he's the second coming of uh, – <laughs> um, oh, my – now, now I can't remember. Hank Lundquist? Yes, he's a second coming. Um, he is. I mean, just almost unbeatable. You need some act of a higher being to get a puck past him. Or, <laughs> I mean, there's, you don't see Chesterkin uh, just letting in a wide-open shot. No. It, everything is tipped. He has great uh, game sense. You see him just moving left to right across the uh, the zone in, incredibly. And he's got some... Uh, Amazing athleticism, uh, just something you don't see out of many goalies anymore. Especially, he's I mean he's not, not he's no spring chicken. I think he's what twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, yeah, he's twenty six. Yeah, so I mean, Vasilevsky's I think twenty six as well, um, as is Ilya Sorokin. Um, so I mean, the, it's like the top three goalies possibly in the world are the same age and you just I said even though I'm an Islander fan I do have to say Shesterkin is by far the better um, of the between Shesterkin and Sorokin Shesterkin and Vasilevsky that's a tough uh, comparison just because we've seen Vasilevsky play for a couple more years Shesterkin this was I think his first full year as a starting yep. goalie. Yep. So it's kind of it's hard to judge the two yet. I know and and over the next couple years it's going to be a very good battle between uh these three goalies. Exactly. Yeah, like it's um since since we're on this side of the bracket and talking about the Rangers, since I do believe they were you know, the third team um, since technically they did finish in third, uh, just because the Avs swept the Oilers, so so the Rangers technically finished in third. I guess <laughs> I guess whatever makes you sleep at night, you know. But um, they they had a pretty tough road. I mean, the Penguins were a little bit slept on. I think I know that I dismissed them. Most of the hockey world dismissed them. Um, they did show me a lot and. That team is is definitely not a young team. Um, they do have Jake Gensel, 
who's a great young player, um, definitely feeds off of Crosby a lot, but he's turning into his own entity. Um, he scored so many goals in this Rangers series and was definitely a pain in their side. Um, I think he scored like nine goals or something like that in, in this series. He was definitely Igor's nemesis. Um, he, he scored in the ways like you were talking about that you have to score against Igor. Tips, right up close, a lot of deflections, just stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's they go into Pittsburgh for games three and four after the triple overtime game. And Igor's first real playoff game had to make 79 saves just to lose in triple overtime. You know, that's that's just a simple first playoff game, 79 saves. But <laughs> yeah, the the Penguins lose their backup goalie, who was their starter in that, because Tristan Jari was hurt coming into the playoffs. Then they had Casey DeSmith come in. He got hurt during one of the overtimes. And then Louis Domingue came in after eating spicy pork and broccoli <laughs> in the back rooms of MSG, and he wins the game and becomes a little bit of a cult hero um, in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, it's, they go into Pittsburgh, which is a very hostile environment. I mean, those fans love hockey and hate New York. Um, and, yeah, they rattled Igor. Um, I've, I've never seen him play like that. I'm sure that he never saw crowds like that. Um, I know he won the KHL championship and he had to play in a few KHL playoffs, but I don't know what the attendance is there. Uh, and his only experience, like you said, was in the bubble. So, so there were no real fans or like less than half capacity fans, et cetera. Um, since they played... Carolina in the bubble, uh, they missed the playoffs last year, but um, they played Carolina in the bubble and he only played one game because he was hurt. So, so he came in, let in three goals in that final game of that series. Um, and they had to go home out of the bubble, but yes, they go to Pittsburgh and Igor looked terrible and the Penguins were buzzing. They go up three, three, one in the series. And then the Rangers storm back so, like, it's – I don't know, Jimmy, what's your outlook for the Penguins from here on out? Because they have Malkin, who's not getting any younger. Crosby, you know, not getting any younger. Chris Letang. I mean, I don't know about this team. Yeah, I mean, you you basically hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, a lot of the core is, you know, getting old, as people do. They're not yep. going to be as quick. Um, it could be – it might not be the last year we see a good Penguins team, but it's definitely getting to the point where the Penguins are not going to be the dominant force that they were, especially in the mid-2010s uh, when they won twice. Um, it's it's going to be a weird year when uh, Sidney Crosby's no longer playing. Right? Yeah, like... It's, I just feel like ultimately he, he might be derailed with all of his head injuries. Cause I know he's had a few concussions and like, and you never like to see that from a player of his caliber. I know, look, it's we're, we're New York hockey fans. We're not going to mince it. It's, uh, like I've said a few times. So, so us and Crosby have a little bit of a past, but um, <laughs> you never want to see a guy go out with injuries or be derailed with injuries. So um, definitely hope for continued health for him. Cause I know he was beat up a little bit in that Rangers series, um, missed 
game five in particular that kind of swung the series. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he missed the, the latter half of game five and then missed all of game six. And then him and Jari yes. came back for game seven and tried to swing it, but it was too little too late. Um, but yeah, so like it's um, his injury kind of swung the series and you could blame Jacob Truba. I know a lot of people out there hate Jacob Truba. Um, but yeah, look, it wasn't a dirty, it wasn't a dirty hit. It wasn't a dirty hit. It was just awkward. It was very awkward. That's the yes. only way I could describe it. Cause it was like Crosby was bending down and then coming back up right as Truba was leaning. Like it, it was odd. I, I know that we'll never change Pittsburgh fans' minds and that's absolutely fine. People are entitled to their opinion. Like, like, look, that's what the podcast is all about here. We're just giving our opinion on hockey, but it's, that's that's what we saw is I just thought it was awkward. I thought it was a weird play. And a, a case you know, of wrong place, wrong time. It was. It was. And I know I know it's against Crosby and you gotta protect the best players in the league. Like it's we just saw in baseball the other day, somebody threw up Mike Trout and they had a brawl for like it's twenty minutes on the field the other day. Like it's it's you you have to protect your superstars. So I totally understand why um, Penn's fans would be mad, but just a weird hit. But, yeah, so then the Rangers move on to Carolina, which is a very intriguing team because I thought they had a pretty good chance of winning it all this year. They faced the Bruins in the first round. This is also – I feel like the Bruins and the Penguins, very similar teams in terms of the structure because they have an aging yes. core as well. Besides Pasternak, who there's some weird things going on with him saying he might want to get traded – if, if Don Sweeney comes back as the GM, he actually got re-signed today, Don Sweeney, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Apostrenok has been saying some weird things about not wanting to stick with the team. And then you got Marshawn's into his 30s. Bergeron's 37, 38. He actually just re-signed oh. on a one-year deal. But, oh. yeah, it's besides Posternock and McAvoy – this team is not young. I mean, like it's. I think they're very similar to the Penguins in that regard. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, McAvoy. He's what, like twenty four, mm-hmm. so he's got a long he's got a long uh, career ahead of him. But For sure, there's only so much you could do with a. I mean, yeah, he's a top ten defenseman. Uh, For sure, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the Bruins. Uh, build back and if they can if they get back to this uh domineering force yeah yeah look like because they've been accustomed to one way of playing hockey most of their success is like you said dominating physical hockey with bergeron being absolute lockdown winner of the selkie trophy like five times over for best defensive forward you had Zidane Char on that team just eating people alive. Oh. You had Marshawn actually eating people by licking them. And then <laughs> you had just a, a pretty good core of scorers that would come in, you know, like like a Milan Lucic would come in and right. like and do his thing. Um, now they have Taylor Hall on that team, uh, who is a former MVP with the Devils, former Hart Trophy winner. So it's they have talent still, but it's all aging. So I, I question, especially in the East, where each and every team is getting a little younger year to year. 
Bruins and the Penguins kind of need to reinvent themselves a little bit to stay relevant. But yeah, Carolina in this series lost every road game and won every home game. Then it continues to the Rangers series up until Game 7, where the Rangers ultimately win 6-2. to two. Um, But this is another great performance from Igor. Carolina, though, did not have Freddie Anderson in this series. They had Antti Ranta, and then he ended up getting hurt. So it went to Kochetkov, who's a 22-year-old rookie um, from Russia, who was playing – I don't know if he was playing in the NHL in the AHL or he got loaned out to the Charlotte checkers. I think that's what they're still called, but um, he didn't have a ton of experience came in. He played a little bit in the Bruin series too, and looked okay. And the Ranger series looked a little shaky, but it's, it's Carolina showed me something in this series. Obviously they're a great defensive team. I think Jacob Slavin, very slept on player, extremely underrated. Just because he doesn't light up the score book or the score sheet. Um, not a guy who's going to be out there with a tremendous plus minus or scoring a ton of goals, you know. But he's just locked down. Nobody does anything when he's on the ice. Or very few times does that happen. Um, and just wanted to give him some love there. But they're a very well-coached team. Rod Brindamore, really good coach. Um, this team, though, I think has a finishing problem. I don't think they could score when it matters the most. And they have a special teams problem. Their power play was useless in these playoffs. Um, and that's what we saw in the Rangers series. Rangers power play was excellent throughout the year, continued into the playoffs. They just dominated Carolina's special teams. And Carolina never scored. It's yeah, like um, I kept on making the joke. Carolina was zero for a million, and it, like um, on the power play, and I had no worries whenever they were on the power play. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like I mean, I don't know about Ky- them going forward. They're interesting because they're still a great team, but they need to get some scores. I don't know. Yeah, I was just looking up uh, the ages of everybody on Carolina, and their forwards are. The majority of them are pretty young. You know, I mean, uh, let's see, Martinook and uh, Nita Ryer. Oh, and uh, Derek Stepan are probably the oldest uh, yep. forwards on the team. But, I mean, everybody else born, they're probably like late, early 20s, maybe 25 being kind of the middle middle ground on that team. It's They're good. They're good for another couple years. Um but like you said, they just need uh, more scores. Svestikov yeah. can only do so much. He he showed me nothing in the playoffs. I like I didn't even realize he was out there sometimes. And then same thing with um, the player they offer sheeted from Montreal, Jesper Katakiniemi. I, I probably mispro- I probably mispronounced that. Uh, Katakiniemi. Katakiniemi. Yeah, yes, that that, 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 sounds, that. that sounds good. That I think is correct, but uh, he he also disappeared in the playoffs, and it takes a lot of guts to offer sheet a player. I mean, it's usually frowned upon in the NHL as one of those unwritten rules, um, and they did it, and he did nothing in the playoffs, and also um, Sebastian Ajo. Yes, he he he's easily the best player on the team. 
I felt like also he, he couldn't really put the puck in the back of the net during these playoffs. And they just need those guys to show up, especially on the power play. And I just felt like they didn't have that. So, so from that perspective, I'm a little worried for, for Collar or um, for Carolina in that they might turn into Colorado a little bit where they can't get past the second round. Cause now this is again, that they can't get over the hump a little bit. Um, so, so we'll see what happens ultimately, but um, because Colorado won this year, so maybe they want to be the new Colorado, but um, <laughs> they're still a great team, awesome defensively, and I think their outlook's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, uh, Jimmy, which team you want to shift to next in the East? Because I know, like, it's it's we don't need to talk about the Rangers anymore, uh, since they're pretty much the New York Igor Shesterkins, and we just talked about how great he is. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Like, and we already talked about Tampa. So, so I guess we can go to the upper side, talk about either like Florida, Washington, Toronto. Well, uh, I mean, if we talk about Toronto, it'll be quick. You know, another first round exit. <laughs> that is for, for a hot second. I thought they had it for the hottest of seconds. <laughs> I mean, it, this could have been their year, uh, you know. Um, Matthews just playing out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, sixty goals this year. That it's ridiculous, but they they don't really have that. Uh, I mean, they don't have a lot of playoff experience. I mean, uh, John Tavares, maybe throw up a little bit in my mouth. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't have any real playoff experience uh, on the Islanders, then goes to Toronto and is argu- arguably worse. Uh, yeah. They have some struggles up there. Um, Matthews and Marner, two really good players but they just don't have – there's something – I don't know if it's a higher being holding them back or they just give up. Yeah, it's it, it's such a it, it's such a weird thing, right? Because their team on paper is amazing. Like, they have Marner and Matthews, like you said, and Morgan Riley. And Jack Campbell was an emerging goaltender. I know that he was never really anything special before this, but he had a great season. And you have William Nylander and John Tavares. And, like, that team just has a lot of talent. And for some reason, every time they get close, they just can't get it done. And it's always in game seven of round one. Like, it's not like they can't win playoff games. They just can't get out of the first round. It's got to be a mental block or something. Yeah. it's it, it gets to the point where you almost feel bad for Toronto fans. I do, I do. Like, like the boy Steve Dangle is out here, like absolutely tearing his hair out. <laughs> all, all he wants to do is just see one playoff series win. That's it. Uh, <laughs> but that's no, like, I think for Toronto, the thing they need to highlight the most is is the goaltending ultimately because. You look at their teams every year. They never have a horse. They never have a guy who's going to take you over the hump 
because, look, unless you're a team like Colorado, which Darcy Kemper played great in the regular season, and as we discussed, I think he played just well enough for them to win. But especially in the East, you looked at the finalists, it was Tampa and the Rangers have the two best goalies in the league. And those guys absolutely carried them throughout. Just incredible play, especially in the Florida series for Tampa, where Vasilevsky allowed all of three goals in four games. So I think Toronto, in order to compete, they need to find a guy who they're just going to be able to ride to the promised land. Because I don't know if Jack Campbell is that guy. Um, He showed it, especially last year when they played Montreal, he let in some backbreakers in that game seven. Um, This series, he was okay for the most part, but you have to find, look, not many teams have that guy. So, so this is a tough ask, but they need to try to build from the net out instead of what they're doing, because these guys, Marner and Matthews can only take you so far. You look at the Oilers, McDavid and Drysaddle can only take you so far. Goaltending is also their downfall. And year after year, they just refuse to fix that position, and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Oilers and the rest of the West in a minute, but just looking at the Maple Leafs, their goalies, like you said, Jack Campbell, Peter Mrazek, they're they're good, but they're not top tier. Nope. And they're, Plus, they're getting old. Exactly. And you look at the you look at the defense. There's nobody that really stands out as a high quality defense. Maybe I mean Jake Muzzin's good. Um, yeah, yeah, except for and, maybe uh, Morgan Riley, but he's more of a scorer. Yeah, yeah, Muzzin, Riley, and uh, Giordano. But Giordano's getting he's he's going to get aged out pretty quick. Um, uh, yeah. He did sign a very cheap one-year deal with them, so he will run it back with them next year. But, yeah, he's he's got probably one year left in the tank. Yeah, and then the rest of their – I mean, the rest of their defense is they're, – they're getting better. They're going to get good as uh, as they age. And then, I mean, like we've said a couple times, their forwards are pretty good. Uh, Bunting, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander – but they just – all the scoring in the world can't help you if your goalie is Swiss cheese. Yep. I'll say that. Very much lot. agree. Yeah, well, yeah. Like... Now... That's, that's the issue that I also see with the other two teams, honestly, because – Florida and Washington. Washington's also another one of these teams we can loop in with the Penguins and the Bruins in that their core is going to be old. I mean, it's TJ Oshie not getting any younger. So is Nicholas Backstrom, who actually might miss most of this season with a hip, uh, like a pretty major hip surgery. I think he had to get his hip resurfaced. Um, Not sure what that entails. I am not a doctor. But that doesn't sound fun to me. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the grade eight. He is, is one of the best players to ever touch the ice. 
absolutely incredible. But he, he's also so- going to be. He's, apparently, he's one of the uh, greats to touch the soccer pitch, too. That's right. That's right. I saw him score the other day. <laughs> that's funny. A little, little shout out. Yeah. What can't he do? But, yeah, like, so so Caps, I would loop them in. Um, they also need a goalie. It's like, I mean, they have Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek, who, yes, are young and could be something, but I just don't know. I mean, it's Samsonov kept this kept this series closer than it should have been. Um, so props to him. But Florida, much better team. I actually picked Florida to go to the cup final. Uh, silly me. Um, other than that, I did have Colorado winning it all. So um, also props to me. But, uh, <laughs> but Florida showed me why I will never pick them ever again to go far because they are constant frauds. This team were the President's Trophy winners. They had everything going for them. Never lost game. You know, like they always came back. They're like this year's New York Yankees. No matter what the score was, they had the confidence to say, we're coming back in this game. And they just had everything going for them. Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberdell, career years. They got Claude Giroux at the trade deadline. Aaron Ekblad was coming back healthy. Really solid defense with Mackenzie Weger backing it up. Like, just, they had everything. They had no weakness to me, besides maybe Bobrovsky, who's one of the more overpaid players in the league um, and is just good enough. He's a Darcy Kemper type. But I just don't know ultimately where this went wrong for Florida. Yes, they ran into the defend, the two-time defending cup champions in the second round, but you can't lose 4 nothing. You can't get swept. Come on. Yeah, looking at uh, Florida's team, they're—I wouldn't say they're young or old. Everybody's kind of in that sweet spot where they should be at their peaks, and then you have guys like uh, Giroux and Hornquist that have been around for that little extra um, kind of experience. Where you'd look at their—you'd look at them and go, "Oh, they're going to go far. They have a real chance," and then. I don't know if it was just, I don't know what it was, how they get swept. It is really odd because their team, it's like you said, yeah, it, it's a good mix of vets and, and young talent. It's, it's, it's a very similar build, honestly, to the Avalanche. Like, it's, that's why I thought that would be such a, a good and compelling Stanley Cup final and, and why I thought the teams would make it just because they're built very similarly. I mean, you look at it's They have an elite defenseman, Ekblad McCart. They have veteran defensemen, Brandon Montour, um, who's a solid guy. Ben Sherratt, who they traded for. Um, Gustav Forsling is a young player. Same thing with Mackenzie Wieger. Um, so that defense is solid. And then you got Anthony Duclair, Rangers legend who was lighting up the score sheet this year. Huberdo had a heart trophy season, just didn't get nominated just because of how good everybody else was. But Sam Bennett finally broke out. Um, Anton Lundell, their draft pick, played really well. Like, this team 
had everything on paper to me and they just couldn't get over the hump. And I just don't know about them now because oddly enough, they won the president's trophy going through two coaches this year at the end of it, you know, because they had Joel Quenville, he was released. Then they had Andrew Brunette who got not necessarily canned, but he's going to have to transition because Paul Maurice just took this job after leaving the Winnipeg Jets saying he had no passion for coaching anymore um, in so many words. And then he's like, oh, okay, I'll come join Florida. Never mind. So, <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's, they definitely have some turnover. It's, it's a Paul Maurice is a great coach. Um, one of the better ones of our lifetime. So we'll see how they do, but it's, I don't trust Florida and I don't think that I will ever trust them until they get, pretty deep into the playoffs. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was a, a disappointing uh, postseason looking at their regular season. Um, Got to keep an eye on them, see if what changes, if any, they make. Um, and then I, mean, I don't really, I don't really care if they go far in the playoffs because I'm, I'm an Islander fan. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it would be good to see them at least have some more life if they're going to be a, uh, a President's Cup team again. Exactly. But, yeah, like, now it's um, – can you guys tell that we like the East? You know, like, because we spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> them. So we'll just do, uh, you know, some highlights of the West since it's uh, – it's, we do love all of the NHL. But um, the West, obviously, it's, it's a little bit out of market for our regular games. Um, but, yeah, so top of the bracket here, Colorado sweeps Nashville to surprise absolutely nobody. Um, Nashville got the participatory wild card two slot uh, to face the absolute wagon. That is the Colorado Avalanche. Um Preds really didn't have a goalie in this series either. I know they had to play Connor Ingram, I believe that's his name, and he played pretty well because uh, Saros was hurt. So um, Saros also a heart finalist. But um, so so they were missing Saros. It's Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg are really the guys carrying that team. I know Matthew Shane's also on that team, Ryan Johansson. So look, they're not bad. But this was a result everybody saw coming. Yeah, I don't have too much, too much to say. Um, who knows if that if this series went a little bit longer, could Colorado have had more uh, issue later on? The world may never know. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because it was ultimately this series that gave them a lot of rest because that blue series was physical. Um, and yeah, the blues ended up scraping two wins on the avalanche. So I don't know, but yeah, the blues ended up beating the wild four, two. I thought that was a little surprising. Um, since the wild looked like a team primed for a little bit of a run, um, especially with trading for Mark Andre Fleury, um, and the talent they have on that team, uh, with my boy, Matt Zuccarello and, um, <laughs> obviously one of the better players in the league, Kirill Kaprizov, who, you know, they did take a gamble on him because last year was his first year. He won the Calder. And 
they ended up signing him right off the bat to a $9 million contract. It's a little risky, but it looks like it's going to pay off. But, yeah, that team looked pretty built to make a little bit of a run. They checked a lot of boxes, and they just get beat by the Blues, who, who are a good team in their own right. I mean, that's a pretty young team. Um, Robert Thomas, who's one of my favorite forwards in the league, is only 22. Um, Pavel Buchnevich, who was coming from the Rangers in that Sammy Blay trade, showed why he's a budding star in this league, scoring a lot of goals. It's Tarasenko, who should have been drafted by the Seattle Kraken, stuck with the Blues and had a great season. But this team, for me, I think has a goalie problem, too. Just because it's, I don't know, Jordan Bennington didn't show a lot this year, Jimmy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bennington definitely not a um, not a superstar. Uh, I mean, he had an okay uh, regular season, but that he did show, he'd show he, he showed up pretty well in the playoffs. Um I mean, yeah, he had a one seven two goals against, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, uh, was it six games? I think he played in um, with like a nine four five save percentage. Um, but I mean, the uh, the Wild should have been they should have been able to at least drag this out to seven games. Oh yeah, I game seven would have been a toss up at that point. I like the Blues better um, simply because of Nick Letty, uh, <laughs> former former New York Islander defenseman. Uh, but, yeah, I do think um, – I do think that this it was a good series. It was two well-matched uh, teams. I don't know the uh, – um, I don't see it really going any different if either team was um, kind of more healthy or uh, less healthy. It was a physical uh, um, series, like you mentioned. Good hockey. Yep. I didn't really watch. I didn't, didn't get to see too many of the games because it was uh, a little bit later for us here on the on the East coast. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I mean, it's this series, definitely St. Louis won straight up. They were the better team against the wild. E- even though I feel like the wild are probably the better team on paper. This to me was the closest series, honestly. Um, Could have gone either way for me. I did have the wild winning, but um, blues then go on to face the avalanche. And this is where Jordan Bankton gets hurt by Kadri on a play where he couldn't really get out of the way. It's not Kadri's fault at all. Um, but, of course, Blues fans take it personally. Um, Ville Husso has to come into the net. I did think it changed the series because Bennington, as we all know, he, he's Stanley Cup champ in, from 2019 where they beat the Bruins in seven games. He's a hot goaltender. He's a microwave where you put <laughs> – you you get him hot and he'll carry you to the promised land. He he's not the best regular season goalie, especially after that magical run his rookie year, his 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 true uh, like first year in the league. Um, but 
Yeah, he, he was showing flashes of old Bennington, and it was a, a very compelling story where probably the best team on paper, the Avalanche coming in, besides maybe Florida, um, he, he was stopping them and frustrating them. And then he gets hurt, and it changes the complexion of the series, and we will never know. I mean, it's not Kadri's fault. It's a free coffee, it's a free coffee accident. This is a rough sport, and a lot of things are going a mile a minute. And look, there's no way Kadri could have gotten out of the way there. Um, Blues fans should be ashamed by their reaction. Um, and look, the few that were racist and sending hate Kadri's way doesn't speak for the many. Uh, of blues fans. Cause I know they have a pretty crazy fan base that love their team and wouldn't do stuff like that. So uh, like not going to have a sweeping, you know, sort of criticism of blues fans, but yeah, it's this series kind of devolved. And I think the blues lost focus of what was at stake and just started, you know, vilifying Kadri and going after him, especially David Perron almost elbowed him after a goal real, like, like that could have been a real bad situation. So it's like it's. I just think personally, they let that little thing happen and the little microcosm that was the Bennington Cadre thing, and just let it explode, and they lost focus. So uh, they have to be able to work on that because it is the playoffs. People are going to get hurt. It's a, people are going to get hit. You got to move on and play the game. I just don't think they did that. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. You know, you, if you look at how the series unfolded. Uh, the Avs win game one in OT. It was 3-2, so started off very close. Blues come back, win 4-1 game two. Game three, when Bennington gets hurt, the Avalanche win 5-2. Game four, the Avalanche win 6-3. The Blues win game five in OT. And then ultimately the Avalanche win in game six. But if Bennington doesn't get hurt, I don't think... The Avalanche uh, don't win 5-2 in Game 3. Yep. I don't think they win 6-3 in Game 4. Yep. It could, that could have been the little thing that made the uh, kind of sealed the fate uh, for the Blues. And, I mean, ultimately, you can't, you can't really put Kadri at fault for something uh, that happens like that. He obviously didn't go out of his way to hurt Bennington. Exactly. Um, you hate to see it happen to even to like a, especially to a top uh, player um, in the playoffs. It just it must hurt to be a Blues fan. Um, but all of that, you know, all that hate directed toward Kadri, it's not. There's no. Uh, there's no place for that in hockey. There's no place for that in sports. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah, like, I mean, and I'm proud of him for for just taking it in stride because the man scored a hat trick the very next game. That's crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. That's an ultimate shut up the haters moment. So so good for Nazem Kadri. But, yeah, like, um, it, that series kind of went off the rails. And then you have another series on the – other side of the bracket here with, with the Pacific division teams um, where goaltending was a story in that the Dallas stars were a one man band. Calgary dominated this series against the Dallas stars and Jake Ottinger 
who I've had the pleasure of seeing in college right in front of me um, at Providence College because he went to Boston University. Um, he's a fantastic goalie. He's going to be one of the best goalies in the league really soon. Um, he showed so much in this series. He had the most saves in one series, I believe, in NHL history, or he tied it, or something crazy like that. Um, just insane performance. He almost carried them to the series win. They lost in overtime in Game 7. But Calgary, for me, is is just another team where I just don't trust it. Like, like look, it's, these two teams ultimately were pretty similar. Um, I know Dallas had the wild card. But but Calgary and Dallas are both two teams that yes they have some talent, but but I just never saw these teams winning the cup this year. Yeah, I like I like Calgary as a team. I think they're uh, they're fun to watch. Um, some of their antics, you know, uh, Kachuk might might get under the skin of uh, some teams, but I think there it was a fun series to watch. Um, you know, Markstrom being as dominant as he was in the beginning of the season, um, you would have thought that it would just be Markstrom versus Ottinger. And it was, I mean, toward, at the beginning of the series, it was all goalie. It was. By the time it got to the end, I mean, just looking at the series, it starts off, game games one and two are both shutouts. Yep. And then by the end of the series, it was just kind of, it was getting more and more like a bloodbath. <laughs> but uh, I do think I like, as I, like I said, I like the Flames a little bit better. Um, I probably would have chose them to win uh, the series for sure. Yeah, like it's. I just feel like the Pacific. The Pacific for me is the weakest division in hockey. Um, it's. It's funny because I thought the Vegas Knights were going to run away with this division, and they missed the playoffs entirely this year. Um, that's a separate episode where we could talk about the outlook for the non-playoff teams. But, yeah, it's these, these four teams, honestly, the Oilers showed me a lot more than I thought they would in the playoffs. But these, and yes, the Dallas Stars are in the Central, but they end up in the specific um, division bracket just by being a wild card. So, so just the Pacific division teams in general, the Flames, Oilers, and the Kings that made it, which was very surprising. Congrats to the Kings for making the playoffs. Um, I know they lost in game seven, but still, it's they did shock everybody because they have a very young team. They're not even at their window yet, and they made the playoffs. So um, they could be a team to watch. But, yeah, like I just – for me – Especially this year, they just had no chance. Um, I know Oilers have the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. I think he's the best player in any sport in the world. Um, he's that good. But, yeah, it's these teams, for me, I just don't trust. I definitely didn't have any of them winning anything this year. Um, and I do... A little bit. I'm a little bit of a Kings hater just because they beat the Rangers in 2014. But you know, like, like it's. I do have to respect Jonathan Quick for playing this season. I know he's had a rough go about it the last few years, and he looked pretty good this year at times. 
Um, so good for them for making the playoffs. But yeah, the Oilers ultimately go out of this division uh, or this side of the bracket as, as one of the finalists for the Western Conference. Um, they play in the Battle of Alberta. Jimmy, what do you think of the Battle of Alberta? Oh, that was a that was fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, you had two quick, hard hitting, good shooting teams, and two goalies that were, you know, kind of, they they each had their moments, but they weren't. They're they're no Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. No, no, this is the an, antithesis of of the Lightning Rangers series, where yeah. Like, I mean, look at game one. It was nine to six. And the, the lowest goal total we had here from a team was one by Calgary. But other than that, each team in all five games scored at least three goals. So a lot of craziness happening here. This was a fun series, like you said. And uh, yeah, like, even though it ended in five, I feel like it was still very entertaining. Um that's that's just how Mike Smith rolls, man. On the Oilers, he's a roller coaster. You got to ride. <laughs> he, he makes the easy saves look difficult, and the difficult saves look like it's nothing. He's just incredible. Like like it's. I just don't know how he does it, but he'll <laughs> get your heart racing if you're a fan. Exactly. <laughs> but. Yeah, so that that sort of rounds out the playoffs here. So, yeah, just to sum up again, the Avalanche win. Um, congrats for the Avalanche. They beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, ending their back-to-back cup run, albeit the first one was in the bubble. Do with that what you will. Uh, <laughs> As- asterisk question mark? Maybe. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, it's a little unnatural to have no fans for the Stanley Cup playoffs. But, uh, hey, they did win. Um, and then last year they played a team in the Stanley Cup final from their own division in Montreal. Is that one a little weird too? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but no. no they're de- like, they're, those, I mean, the, those are te- definitely two big talking points. You really can't uh, discredit the Lightning for winning back-to-back. No, no, because they, they did what they needed to do ultimately. Like, and they did it the right way. It's not like the Astros. It's not like they cheated or whatever. Like, like they they won the cup fair and square in the present conditions they were in. But, you know, as a little bit of a hater and a troll, you can uh, maybe draw some asterisks on there just for fun. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's – that's the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will have future episodes on teams' outlooks. I think we're planning episodes talking about each division, you know, like splitting each division in half and talking about outlooks and maybe some free agent targets and stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah. other than that, this was a very, entertain- very entertaining season of hockey, I feel like. One of the better ones in a while. Um, a lot of really good teams this year, a lot of talent, a lot of young players coming in and just being amazing. Um, a lot of fun stuff going on and it felt good to have 
real hockey back with full capacity stadiums and being able to go to games myself. Uh, just a lot of fun this year with hockey. And I am very sad it's over, but we will be here to entertain you during the off season. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring up that, uh, that same point. It was great to have hockey back after the last two years of kind of some weird, weird stuff going on. Um, albeit the season starting late. Uh, it was good to watch hockey in person uh, and even at home, just seeing fans. Uh, it really, it felt, it felt good just to give you back to some sense of normalcy. Um, again, not too happy with the uh, outcome for my team. Uh, <laughs> Islanders kind of had uh they had a rough go of it at the start of the year. Um, but, again, that, that'll be for a different episode. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think that'll, uh, that'll just about wrap it up uh, for our first episode of uh, Quick Shifts. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be, like, like uh, Shelly said, we'll be here all during the offseason uh, trying to keep up with what uh, changes teams make, uh, kind of trying to get some insight into the next year. Um, exactly. And yeah, like, as always. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, we could plug the Twitter too, since uh, we will have a Twitter account. Yes. Uh, make sure you follow us uh, at Quick Shifts Pod. You could also follow our uh, kind of parent uh, corporation, New School Sports. Uh, We'll be putting out more podcasts on different sports if you have interest. Um, I know we have a bunch of shows lined up. Uh, exactly, yeah. Over there. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, you're doing a golf one. It's, we're going to be doing a football one with all of us. Um, and then, yeah, it's, I'll be doing a baseball one, especially since we're a little bit in the doldrums of sports. No basketball, no hockey now. Football's in mini camp, but... Like, I know that's not the most compelling thing, especially because there's not too, too much news coming out right now. Um, so, yeah, like, it's we'll have baseball to cover since it's really the only thing on. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, sooner rather than later, we'll have those sports coming out. Yeah, all right. So I think that'll uh, that'll about do it. Um you say keep an eye out for those uh, other pods. Follow us, Quick Shifts Pod and New School Sports on Twitter. Um, as always, have a good one. See ya.